You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Turn to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. If you're turning in uh, one of the Bibles that are on the table, you can turn to page 654 is where Habakkuk is on those ones. I'm going to pull up my PowerPoint thing. Bear with me. Habakkuk chapter 3, starting in verse 17. And by the way, we're about to read from maybe one of the saddest books in the Bible, maybe a three-way tie with the book of Job and the book of Lamentations is probably the book of Habakkuk. Very sad. But this final passage, so if you're still turning, um, I'll give you another second. It is a hard book of the Bible to find. It's towards the end of the New Testament. It's in the 12 prophets, the 12 minor prophets. That's what series we're on right now. And so specifically turn uh, to Habakkuk 3.17. We're in the habit of not putting the scripture on the screen to make you and force you to turn to it in your own either phone or actual paper Bible because I, I would like to develop that habit in myself as well as my friends and family. So Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, and um, I read this passage this week. This is the ending, the closing, the conclusion of Habakkuk, and I cried like a little baby reading this passage um, because it is very meaningful. And, um, and so here it is, and I think you'll see the meaning in it as we talk about the book of Habakkuk in general and that we go through it. But Habakkuk 3.17 says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights. And then it says, for the director of music on stringed instruments. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. We praise your holy name. And we know that whatever life gives us, whatever you give us, God, whatever circumstances we're in, God, we we pray that we might be like Habakkuk who can turn to you, rejoice in your name, praise your name, Lord, despite the good or the bad that is in our life. God, that we may rejoice in you and praise your name. We worship you this morning. We, We want to eagerly learn from the book of Habakkuk what you have for us this morning. So we pray in your name, Jesus, and everybody screamed, amen. Well, the book of Habakkuk is, um, uh, I was telling people this week that that's the book we're going to talk about um, this Sunday, and uh, some people are like, oh, cool, that's my favorite book of the 12 minor prophets. Would anyone agree with that, that that's their personal favorite of the 12 minor prophets? A few of you. Um, And then some people, and these people were like insane to me, um, said that the, the book of Habakkuk is their favorite book in the entire Bible. And that to me was insane because the book of Habakkuk is just so deep and complex and very, very, very sad. It would be like if your favorite movie was a movie like Schindler's List. Does anybody like that movie? It's probably a top 10. It's like, that's a very sad movie. Why would you like that movie? I mean, just to, to tell you where I'm coming from, my favorite movie of all time is Dumb and Dumber. 
just so you know. So, so me coming from that perspective, like, wow, your favorite movie of all time is Schindler's List. What a sad, what a dark movie. Um, but I, but I, I begin to understand where people are coming from because it's so touching and so deep. Or maybe this movie, anybody like this movie, uh, Seven Pounds by Will, Will Smith is the main actor. Um, a few people. It's a very sad movie. Spoiler alert, but he dies at the end. Um, and he gives his body... Anyways, I won't ruin it more than that. But for you girls, girls are allowed to say they like this next movie. Guys, you're allowed to like it. You're just not allowed to say that you like it. Um, and, and the movie is... Um, come on. Next, next slide. Dang it. This is my own fault. It's coming. My, there it is. Check that movie out. Yay, the notebook. Um, so once again, guys, you're allowed to say you like it. No, you're not allowed to say you like it, but you can like it if you like. But spoiler alert, they both die in the end. It's a very sad movie. Um, and, and so if that's your favorite movie, it's like, why would that be? People die. Or this movie, um, this, this next one, uh, it's Life is Beautiful. It's kind of like an indie Italian movie. Has anybody seen this movie? Oh, quite a few. Good. Um, it's, it's another movie about the Holocaust. It's about a family. They go to a concentration camp. The dad, kind of in a, in a cool way, because it, it, he pretends uh, with his son that they're just camping and they're just going playing this game, but really they're in a concentration camp. And that, that idea of pretending that it's just a game and making light of something so horrible ends up saving the kid's life. It's a beautiful film. Uh, it's called Life is Beautiful, and um, it's a very sad movie. They, they die at the end, um, but, but, but it's a very meaningful movie. I saw this movie this week um, as I was thinking about uh, sad movies. I saw The Green Mile. Anybody fan of Green Mile? Um, it's, it's a very sad movie. The big black guy, John Coffey, like the drink, only spelled different. He, spoiler alert, dies at the end. He did nothing wrong. He was innocent. He's on death row. He dies at the end. It's just sad. I mean, it'd be hard to watch that movie without a box of Kleenexes. And um, in all that, I think that there's something to be said about sad, touching movies, just like there's something to be said about a sad, touching book, like the book of Habakkuk. And I heard this saying once, and and I, I really think it's true, that as an artist, as a writer, as an actor, it is much, much harder to make someone cry than it is to make someone laugh. You can laugh just by being a silly goose, and people will laugh at you with no thought. But to make someone cry, to make someone really feel emotions and, and where you're at and this human experience, it has to be done well. The writing has to be good. The acting has to be well. Or you can see through it, and you can almost laugh at the parts that are supposed to be serious. And so with that, I, I kind of prepare you um, for the book of Habakkuk, which is probably one of the saddest books of the Bible. Maybe I already said uh, a three-way tie with the book of Job and Lamentations. And so this whole series, we are on a two-month series of the Minor Prophets. And um, it has been depressing books on top of destruction books, on top of doom books, on top of more sad books. And I think we've probably reached the saddest book of all 12 of the minor prophets, arguably. And so we can only go up from here. So next week and the week after, as we close the rest of February, for goodness sakes, uh, it's only going to get more light and more um, just happy, I guess is the word. So be prepared that today's lesson and looking at the book of Habakkuk is very sad. But um, some of you like sad movies, so maybe you'll, you'll love today's talk. Anyways, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, welcome 
by way of announcements, I think uh, if you want to fill out a visitor card, they should be on all the tables. There's a couple of them. You can fill it out. Bring it to me up here or to the people as you leave in the back. I see a lot of new faces, so don't be shy. Fill one of those out. Um, we'll send you an email. Um, we'll give you a free CD. The CD is a worship CD of Friday night mill service, and that's our main service. If you're a college or 20-something, that's like our worship sermon service Fridays at 7 o'clock. But uh, welcome in here if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, or I, I feel like I should say this every once in a while. If you're not a college student or a 20-something, welcome anyways. We obviously don't card people at the door, whether you're younger than that or older than that. We welcome you in here. If you want to be a part of our community, then we want you to be a part of the community. So just welcome. Anyways, let's get started, shall we? with Habakkuk. Let's talk about the background of the book of Habakkuk. And I'm about to show you a slide that if you've been here in the Mill Sunday School, this will be the seventh time, seventh time you've seen this slide. It's a map. Have you seen this before? Yes, yes. Some of you are excited to see this because you know that a little bit of history is coming. And you know that uh, in the time period after King David lived, and then King Solomon, Solomon had a son named... Rehoboam, that's amazing that you know that. Um, And then Rehoboam, he was the last king of the United Kingdom, splits the kingdom during his reign with the north um, and the south, Israel and Judah. The people of the north, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, They uh, worshipped idols at two different cities in Israel. There was the prophets, the minor prophets, Hosea, Amos, and Jonah were the prophets of the north. They said, repent, you need to repent. The people did not repent. And so it actually says, in several uh, verses throughout the Bible, that the Lord sent the Assyrian army to invade the north, and so there they are, disappeared from the face of the earth. That was in 722 B.C. And as a reminder, because I'm about to throw a couple dates at you, in the Old Testament, in the B.C. era, the further back you go, the bigger the number, the 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 more future in time, the less the number. I know you know that, but if you don't keep that in mind, then you're like, wait, what are we, when's the date? So anyways, so Israel's wiped away. Here is Judah. Let's concentrate on it for just a second. And we have the rest of the minor prophets, including all the major prophets, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, are from the kingdom of Judah. Various prophets say, repent. Sometimes they do. There's, there's good kings. There's periods of restoration. Then there's periods of evil and people turning their backs on God. And if you wanted to look at on all the tables are these huge, epic, legal-sized timelines. You can have one of those if you really would like. But it's basically the kingdom of the north, the kingdom of the south, lined up in like every detail on this tiny little page um, portrayed for you. And if you look at Judah and you look at the kings of Judah, you will see that some of them are in red, signifying a bad king. Some of them were in green, signifying a pretty good king. Um, and, and so that is that. And so there was repentance called for by some of the minor prophets. Um, the people eventually did not repent. And the Babylonians come in and they uh, overtake Judah and destroy it. The, the, the date that is known as 586 BC is when the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. And so there we are. Um, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're talking about Habakkuk and Habakkuk happens right before the Babylonians come in. So reverse the slide. 
Um, let's talk about the kingdom of Judah for just a second. This is the kingdom in which Habakkuk lives. Here's a little clip art picture that I found. Isn't that cute? Um, of Habakkuk there praying over Judah and asking for God to do something. We don't know too much about Habakkuk. If you flip to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1, it says, um, here's the prophecy of Habakkuk, basically. It doesn't say what king was ruling at the time. It doesn't say where he was from. It doesn't say what else was going on. It's just Here's Habakkuk, here's his prophecy, but we can know that since Habakkuk talks about the coming Babylonians, Habakkuk would be before the Babylonians came. And so many people have uh, thought and uh, sat down and organized what, when the kings were and what, when um, Habakkuk maybe have, uh, should have lived or thinking about that through history. They think, oh, he probably lived during the kingdom of uh, Jehoiakim, who if you look at your notes and your timeline there, he was in red, so he was a bad king. He, Habakkuk lived at a time when there was injustice, bad things happening to good people. Um, injustice was uh, the railing idea that, that whatever you wanted to do, if you were rich, you could take care of the poor. I mean, if you were rich, you could take advantage of the poor. Bad things were happening. And so that's what we know about Habakkuk as far as the Bible is concerned, because Habakkuk as a person is not mentioned in any other book of the Bible. However, um, if you would like to know one small detail about Habakkuk that may be more folklore than historical, it's from the Apocrypha, we have to go on a rabbit trail. Anybody a fan of a rabbit trail? Okay, quick rabbit trail, and then we'll go with a rabbit trail within a rabbit trail, sort of the inception of rabbit trails, to get back to the book of Habakkuk. But here we are. Um, Anyone recognize this painting? Of course, it's by uh, Peter Paul Rubens, who was a Baroque artist, known for his movement, his senses, and uh, uh, colors. And so, does anyone recognize who this is, though, in the painting? It's probably Daniel in the lion den. And so uh, there's the story in the book of Daniel of Daniel being thrown into the lion den um, that, that's located in the book of Daniel. However, there's like an alternative ending that you may not know about that was potentially added much later after the book of Daniel was written. And it comes in the form of the Apocrypha, which is not a bunch of books that are in the Bible. They were taken out of the Bible in the Reformation. And the Catholics, if you ever have a Catholic Bible, it's a little bit bigger because they have a few more books than we as Protestants have. And so there's a story about Daniel and Habakkuk in the Apocrypha, and it's probably based more on folklore than it is anything historical since it was written much later. Um, but if you're interested in the Apocrypha, because I know some of you are, because you're nerds like me, and you're like, well, yeah, what are those books? What, what's the deal with the canon and the, the books that weren't included? What's that whole deal? Well, Apocrypha means hidden. It's books that are deuterocanonical, meaning secondary to the canon. And if you're interested in that, um, we are going to take a whole month and talk about the Apocrypha in the Mill Sunday School, not till July, I believe, but, but it's coming. And so if you're like, yes, um, it's not till July, but we'll talk about the Apocrypha later. Anyways, rabbit trail within a rabbit trail. Um, in this book of the Apocrypha, I really like the name. Uh, it's called Bell and the Dragon. Sweet name for a book. Um, but there's these two idols that Daniel doesn't worship, and he's thrown into the lion's den. And supposedly, at least according to this book, um, Habakkuk is told to go make some food, and bring it to Daniel, who is in the lion's den. So there's Habakkuk bringing Daniel a sandwich. 
in the lion's den. And so is that story historical? Probably not. It's based on folklore. What can we learn about it? Well, we learned that maybe Habakkuk was around the same time when Daniel was around. Maybe he wasn't, though, because this whole story is based on folklore. But anyways, rabbit trail within a rabbit trail. Let's get back to Habakkuk and an overview of this book. We're going to spend a lot of time in this book. So if your Bibles are open, keep them open to Habakkuk. We're, you're going to be flipping around in there, reading, etc. And so let's, let's talk about an overview of Habakkuk. This is the, on your notes. We always hand out the, the notes, the skillet notes that we call it. The, this is a short outline of the book of Habakkuk, which is uh, Habakkuk's accusation. He accuses the Lord of some things. He basically debent begins a debate with the Lord. And so Habakkuk is often called the, the debating prophet. And then the Lord responds to Habakkuk. And then Habakkuk debates more. Then the Lord responds. And then Habakkuk sings a song, a psalm. Um, and we know it's a song because at the end it has some musical notations about that last chapter. And so it's just three chapters uh, of Bam in, in the Old Testament. It's three chapters of Habakkuk uh, debating with God, and then him singing a song. And so that's what we're going to look at today. I, I was thinking we would talk about Habakkuk and another prophet today, but I was, as I was preparing this lesson for this, uh, for this Sunday, I just thought we need to spend some time in Habakkuk. It, it is such a huge, deep, complex, and uh, sad book of the Bible that it, it takes some time to go over. It's, 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 it would be too easy to just brush over and go on, but we need to do it. It's, it's, uh, we need to do the hard work. So, Let's, let's look at chapter 1. Turn to the book of Habakkuk. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And it says something like this. It says, uh, the prophecy of Habakkuk, the prophet, um, let's see, that, that the prophet received. So there's no other um, background information. And then it says this, uh, verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? And so these are pretty huge accusations. Looking over that verse, Habakkuk is accusing God of not listening in verse 2, not saving in verse 2, uh, verse 3, making him look at injustice, and accusing God of tolerating wrongdoing. And then it says, destruction and violence are always before me. There is strife, there is conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous um, so that justice is perverted. And so you have this, just these four verses. It begins with a bang. Habakkuk telling God that there's injustice all around him, and he basically accuses God of not being around, not listening, not saving, making him look at injustice, and tolerating wrongdoing. Imagine if someone came up to you and said, hey, you're not good. You're, you're, you're not saving. You make me look at injustice. Um, you, you don't listen. It's like these would be pretty huge accusations to make. Um, and the whole idea is that there's injustice going on. And here's a symbol of justice, the, the scale. And um, I've been listening. I'm, I'm not in school anymore, and I kind of miss school. Does anybody like school like me? So I just can't get enough school. So I went to the library and I, I saw like on the shelf, I was like, oh my gosh, I need this. And so I took it, uh, and I checked it out, of course, but I was so excited to, it's these CDs of a Harvard professor. It's like a whole course 
in law uh, of these um, important legal cases that have happened in the 21st century. And so it's just fascinating to listen. I know I'm nerdy by doing that and listening to Harvard lectures, but it was fun. And I learned a ton about the legal system and law and, and just how court cases happen. And sometimes there's injustice that happens. And, and sometimes injustice happens by way of that a guilty person is actually guilty of a crime, but they are set free because of the legal system for whatever reason. But sometimes we can look back at court cases and see that an innocent person was actually um, punished for a crime that they did not commit. And that potentially is a bigger injustice than a guilty person being set free, someone having to pay for a crime that they did not commit. And so in just thinking about that and the, the horrors of, 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 you know, just imagine you being accused of a crime you, you didn't commit, you weren't even there, but somehow you are accused guilty and the charge comes down and you are sentenced to death or life in prison for a crime you did not commit. How horrible, how unjust. And I think to get your mind around the things that must have been happening during Habakkuk's time is, is those kinds of things. Injustice, rich people taking advantage of poor, the powerful taking advantage of the weak. Injustice happening because of that verse. And verse 4 says, justice never prevails is what Habakkuk accuses um, this time period of what's going on. And so what I want you to think about and consider is something I want to give you for a discussion item um, to talk about at your tables or turn to the people around you. And what I don't want you to do is to read ahead. So you could read verses 1 through 4 again and again and again as much as you want, but don't read ahead because I want you to engage the story. So Habakkuk basically says, God, you're not listening. You're not saving. There's violence all around. There's injustice all around. And the Lord is about to speak. And so what I want you to consider, what I want you to just kind of throw a guess out, what I want you to do is to engage the story and think, what do you think God's response to Habakkuk will be? And I imagine there's a hundred or so of you in here. You could have a hundred or so different ideas of what you think the Lord is about to say. But like I said, don't look ahead. Don't cheat. I really want you to engage the story and consider, uh, well, just stop and think. Like if, if someone's accusing God of these horrible things and the injustice is going on, what do you think God will respond with? What do you think the Lord will say? So keep each other accountable. Don't let each other look and see what the Lord says, but I want you to engage the story and just kind of guess. Okay? Does it make sense? Okay. Ready, cassette? Discuss. So some of you, I imagine, because you're nerds and you love Scripture, and when I say nerd, I think that's a very good thing, by the way. Um, so some of you already know maybe what Habakkuk's response, or excuse me, what God's response to Habakkuk is. So this isn't the time to share that. This is the time, if you came to the table with no idea what God, how God will respond, I would love to hear maybe some guesses of how you think the Lord is going to respond. Yes, Josh first. Here, I'll just, we'll just get a couple quick responses. Uh, our group was saying that um, sometimes God lets situations happen as, as a, a process. Like when you're making a, a diamond, there's lots of heat and pressure added to it. And, and you know, I took a... So he's, he's letting it happen so that it'll cook and eventually come out good. Right. Okay, good. Who else? Anybody else want to share? You got one more point. Yeah, I was going to read out of Job. Um, when God answers Job, 
Uh, Job 38, 1 through 4. Then God answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will... Gird up your loins. <laughs> what? Now uh, gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. So in our limited knowledge, we can't know everything that God has planned for us. Yeah, so we can't know everything that God has planned for us. Maybe he's, he's, doing, he's allowing this thing to happen, but in the end, it'll look like a diamond. Any, anybody else? Yeah, John Wood. <clears throat> what do you got for us? All right. The idea that we came up with here is, if you look outside, I mean, look how beautiful it is. It's lots of snow. When you're downtown and you see all the crime and stuff that's going on down there, if you let that just be your only focus, you might not see the beauty that's around you. And so we're thinking that God's going to turn around and just, and just tell him, says, look around. Look at what's around you. Yeah, that's good. I'll, I'll maybe like uh, Josh's comment about the diamond. God's doing something, but he's going to turn it into something beautiful. Anybody else have a different idea or different guess? Yeah, Bucky. I heard you guys talking. It sounded like you had already read Habakkuk, but I'll, I'll share. <laughs> well, it, not even from Habakkuk. In Deuteronomy it says that if you turn to graven images, if you turn away from the Lord your God, he will scatter you throughout the nations and you will serve other gods. But if your heart turns back to the Lord, then he will draw you close. And so I see in this, the people have turned their heart away from the Lord. They have been scattered out. And now the Lord is calling them to come back to his okay, heart. Okay, yeah. And, Good. So it's, it's this uh, idea that uh, the Lord is, is allowing punishment to happen, but in the end, something good is going to come out of it. And that's, I stopped and thought this week um, uh, about the book of Habakkuk. I was um, without any distractions. My computer was getting fixed. And so can you imagine I spent all of Tuesday without a laptop? Can you imagine that? And so I actually just had a Bible and I had to read it and, and had a piece of paper. And I was preparing this message with a Bible and a piece of paper. Can you imagine that? So it was, it was, it was just insane. And so what I did, as I was reading through Habakkuk, I stopped right here. I read verses 1 through 4. And I just stopped and I considered. Habakkuk is accusing the Lord of something. How do I think he's going to respond? And I thought of some of the responses you gave, this bigger idea that oh, the Lord's just doing something awesome. He, he's going to uh, shower his blessings on these people. He's about to make everything right. Um, he's about to do it in their time. And I thought, yeah, maybe the Lord's going to do that. Or maybe the Lord's um, going to punish those who do evil and raise up those who do good. Um, what will the Lord's response be? So let's actually look at it now because I was blown away. This wasn't the response that I was kind of thinking, oh, this is what I imagined. This is how I imagined God would respond. It might just be me, but um, so let's look at it now. This is uh, starting in verse uh, 5. It's uh, 5 through 11. The Lord responds to Habakkuk. So as review, Habakkuk just said, Lord, injustice is all around me. You're not anywhere. You're not saving. You're not listening. And so the Lord speaks. And, and so this verse, this verse 5, I've seen quoted, and I may be misquoted. I don't know. Um, verse 5 says, Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed. I am going to do something in your days um, that you would not believe even if you were told. Stop right there. So that verse that the Lord's going to do something awesome and amazing. I've seen this verse used as like youth rally verses. Like, yeah, the Lord's going to do something awesome. And, and it, the rest of the, the, the passage isn't quoted for obvious reasons because it's like, yeah, the Lord's going to do something awesome and our 
nation and our generation. But what, the, what this verse is saying is prefacing what the Lord's about to do. And it says, verse 6, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, the ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves. So they're horrible. They're, why would, it's just, so you just wonder, like, why is God going to use these horrible people um, to promote their own honor? Verse 8, their horses are swifter than uh, leopards. Um, verse 9, they come uh, with the intent of violence. Verse 10, they mock kings. Skipping ahead to verse 11, they will sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people, they're, they're guilty, whose own strength is their God. And so we have the Babylonians, they're, they're prophesied to come to Judah and destroy it. So, like, stop and, and think and it's like, wait, run that by me again? Habakkuk is saying, Lord, there's injustice everywhere. You're not listening. You're not saving. <clears throat> there's violence all around me. Do something, basically. And the Lord responds, I'm going to do something. I'm going to kill everyone. I'm going to destroy everything. With very violent, unjust people. Run that by me again? You're going to... I'm saying, and so if you're confused, is anyone else confused about that response? I think, me too. I, I only saw a couple hands, but I am also confused about that response. And so let's just keep reading, because if you're confused, I imagine Habakkuk is probably confused as well, because Habakkuk comes back with a debate to God. So this is skipping ahead to verse 12. So, this, so Habakkuk has already accused God. The Lord has already spoken as, as review. Habakkuk comes back and debates God. He basically starts off with this. Lord, um, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. Uh, you, O Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. Appointed who? The Babylonians to execute judgment. Got it. You, my rock, have ordained uh, them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So verse 12 and 13 are like a good debate. If you've ever been in a debate and someone has owned you, they may have like started off a debate like this. Like you, you get someone agreeing with you. That's how you can sell cars. That's how you can debate someone and own them in a debate. You say, you start saying things that they will agree with. Well, you are a scholar, right? Yeah, of course. You've studied this, right? Of course, you've, uh, you're a learned person. You're able to debate well, right? And then, and then you get someone agreeing, and then you throw down the ownage statement. You ask them, well, then why does blah, blah, blah make sense? And so here, that's exactly what Habakkuk does. He, says, he basically says, Lord, you're good. You're holy. You are just. And then verse 13, then why would you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? Why the wicked swallow up? more righteous than themselves. And then it goes on to talk about this analogy of how God's people are like fish in the ocean or sea and the Babylonians are just going to come in with nets and catch them and eat them and destroy them. And it's like, why? Lord, I just said, this is me talking as, as, as if I'm thinking through what Habakkuk is thinking, but Lord, I just said that, that violence is going on, injustice is going on in my land. Why won't you do something? I'm accusing you of not listening, of not being around and yet your response is, don't worry, I'm going to destroy everything and use a wicked people to do that. Can you begin to see why this book is 
tied with Lamentations and Job is probably the saddest book of the Bible. Yeah. Let's continue. So Habakkuk basically says that, creates this debate, kind of like, why would you use the Babylonians? They're unjust to wipe us all out. To, 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 I'm telling you that there's injustice happening. Habakkuk chapter 2 begins with, I'll stand and watch and, and wait for you to answer, Lord. And so here we are with the Lord's second response in this short little book. So um, the Lord basically comes back and, and a gist says, I meant what I said and I said what I meant. So it begins with this, verse 2, the Lord replied, write down the revelation. <clears throat> what revelation? The revelation that you just received, that the Babylonians are coming. <clears throat> Make it plain on the tablets so that the herald may run with it. Uh, for the revelation um, that, that awaits the appointed time, it will come to speak in the end. I will, I will not prove, it will not prove false. It will linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. Okay. So the like you, Habakkuk's almost trying to change the Lord's mind, and, and here it doesn't work. He just says, yeah, I said what I meant, and I meant what I said. I said the Babylonians are coming, and I meant it, and so that, that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to destroy everything. And then there's this one little jewel in this passage, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, that says the righteous, you know, all this is going to happen, and yet the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Or King James, I think it just says, the just will live by faith. This very famous verse that's quoted in Romans in the New Testament, in Galatians uh, and Hebrews, it's quoted as this awesome verse that while horrible things are going to happen, while injustice is going to happen, while God is going to use the Babylonians to destroy everything, the just will live by their faith which is this beautiful idea that I would beg you to consider later, to pray through and consider and think that, that, that even though what is going on in your life or the life around you, the people around you, might be horrible and, and horrible on top of horrible, you, if you are righteous and just, you will live by faith. Faith in what? Well, faith that God really will help. Faith that really, God really will save. Faith that God really will destroy the wicked and raise up the righteous. That's the faith. That's the ending hope that we have that I think a few of you mentioned when I went out and got some uh, microphone comments that, that maybe God is using this incident like a crushing of um, you know, rocks that will eventually turn into a diamond. The Lord is doing something. We just have to have faith in him. The righteous person will live by faith. So continuing the Lord's speech the Lord talks about the Babylonians and says, yes, they are an evil people. And yes, I am going to use them, but they are evil, they are unjust, and so I will crush them as well. And so it goes on to say, like chapter 2, verse 8 says, uh, because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. So it's basically the Lord talking to Habakkuk about the Babylonians. And so he's going to crush them. Woe to him who builds a house in unjust gain. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Verse 13, has not the Lord Almighty determined that those people labor, that their labor labor is only fuel for the fire? And then here's a very um, uh, sensuous image of what the Lord is going to do, going to destroy the Babylonians. Um, so verse 15 says, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskins until they are drunk, drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. 
Verse 16, you will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. So he's talking to the Babylonians. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup of the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and um, disgrace will cover your glory. So basically, the Lord is saying that, that though the Babylonians are unjust and they are going to destroy Judah, the Lord will also destroy the injustice that is a part of the Babylonians. Is anyone encouraged by that? No, I mean, I, I don't know. That's just a very sad, somber book of the Bible. Luckily, we have one final chapter to this, this horribly sad book, and that is Habakkuk's song. So he's known as the singing prophet, and he basically sings a song. We know it's a song because the, the last verse of this whole book says, for stringed in, instruments, it's, it's basically musical notation. Um, and Habakkuk sings a song. And the ending to the song is what we read as we began the Mill Sunday School today. But basically, I want to get this picture in, in your minds as we consider this book, because we have to consider it. This is a book of the Bible. We're not just talking about a sad book for sad book's sake. This is a book of Scripture. We can understand it, and if we do, we understand uh, more of the Lord and more of God in times of trouble, more of why does bad stuff happen to good people. And that answer is, is kind of mysterious and left mysterious in the context of the Bible and this book. Um, but what we can get out of it is uh, how we should respond in times of terror, how we should respond in times of depression, how we should respond when injustice is happening before our eyes and we see it and, and we feel like God is far off, God is not listening, God is not saving. What should we do? How should we respond? Well, we could listen to Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's song and I believe that he responds beautifully to this whole thing, this whole messed up story Habakkuk's response is what I can gain encouragement from and, and leave here justified speaking about this book that is so sad and so horrible. But I want you to consider it. Uh, I'll give you another discussion question. Um, and I want you to, this time to look through chapter 3. Specifically, if you're not sure where to start, uh, just look at verses 17 and on. However, flip through the whole uh, chapter if you would like and maybe talk, uh, maybe um, <clears throat> share with each other this discussion question, it's like, if we model our response from Habakkuk, how should we respond to horrible events? If Habakkuk teaches us anything, which is maybe how to respond when bad things happen to decent people, um, how should we respond? Look at what Habakkuk, how he responded, and maybe share with your group. I realize that it's kind of a, a pretty big thing to be sharing about, but uh, try to do it. Look at chapter 3, bring up some big points, Okay. We got just a little bit left, so I'll give you like two minutes to talk about. So as we conclude, I think there's things in, um, as we all struggle through hardships of life, I think there's temptations that we have to, um, and maybe you all have been in a situation that was horrible, or maybe you know a Christian who went through something horrible, and maybe you saw them or saw yourself tempted by this uh, idea that um, when something horrible happens, to just curse God, to, oh, forget it. I'm never going to church again. I'm, I'm never reading the Bible again. If God would allow this to happen, 
this death or this injustice, whatever it was, to happen, then I don't want to be a part of him or his kingdom. Why would he allow this horrible thing to happen? Uh, this disease, this plague, why? And so people, maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've seen it in friends or family members who have left the church, left Christianity because something bad happens and they're tempted to believe that, oh, well, well God just hates them or whatever it is. Um, I think we're also tempted to just ignore the pain, to just, oh, let's, let's forget about it. You know, the, this pain, this thing is real, but I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to forget about it. I'm not going to grieve properly. I'm just going to forget about it. And, and I, I think Habakkuk does neither of those things, and he fully engages the pain and the hardship that he is in. And he begins this, um, this poem by, by just saying how great the Lord is. In, in chapter 3, he says, um, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet prophet on Shiganoth, which we're not really sure where that, where that is exactly. But it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. So he, he prays. He thanks God for, for who he is and the great things that he has done. And then going down to verse, um, uh, I believe it's 16, he says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered in the sound. Decay crept in my bones. And my legs trembled. Yet, and so here's what he's he's thinking about. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. So what is he like waiting for? Well, he's waiting for the nation that's invading them, the Babylonians, the the Chaldeans, same thing, different name, are coming in and wiping out the Judeans because they have sinned and there's injustice. So the Lord sends an even horribler is that a word? Even more horrible group of people, a more unjust group of people to destroy the Judeans. And yet Habakkuk's great um, kind of, he will wait patiently for the day in which they are destroyed. Pretty depressing, don't you think? I mean, it's like the only thing you're hoping for is that the enemies coming to destroy you will be destroyed someday. That's, that's pretty sad, don't you think? I mean, this whole book, to, to realize the profoundness and, and sadness in this book um, is an understatement. Anyways, so he's waiting for the Lord to avenge the injustice of the people that are invading them. And then this, this beautiful, horrible, tragic, um, awesome verse at the end of the book of Habakkuk, which is kind of where we'll conclude today um, and read and, and then pray is the verse we started off with. <clears throat> and now you know where it's coming from. So Habakkuk says, and this is the great response, that if, we, if only we might respond to the Lord in, in horrible times when, when death is around us, when injustice is around us, if only we can respond like this, uh, may the Lord help us. It says, verse 17, so chapter 3, verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud, though, though there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. So imagine the hopelessness of that that poem, that there's no food, there's no wealth, there's, there's hopelessness all around. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful. Um, I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. This, this sovereign Lord is my strength. 
He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to tread upon the heights. And so this idea that although everything wrong is happening, although there's injustice on top of injustice, and his only hope is that someday his enemies' justice will come to them, though there's, there's no food, there's, there's nothing, there's hopelessness, he will rejoice in the Lord. This, this beautiful ending thought that we have. And with that, let's close in prayer. And God, we, we tell you that, that we know you are an awesome God who is good and who is just. And God, while we don't understand so many times the, the, why bad things happen to, to those who seem innocent, why, why bad things happen to those that are good, God, we, we ask that in some way you will encourage us to be able to respond in a holy, good, and godly way like Habakkuk did and to the times of adversity, that God, we could respond with joy to you, even though there's sadness and depression all around us. Um, God, we come to you. We, we, what, whatever we're going through, whether it is a time of joy or it is a time of sadness, God, we give it over to you. We tell you that we will remain steady in, in you and who you are. So we praise your name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. All right, friends. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer today, but you know we're just going over the books of the Bible, so um, that's my excuse. So uh, you're dismissed. If you're going over to the big church, sit with some people around here, invite them to go over with you. We'll see you next week. It'll be happier, maybe. Anyways, peace.